Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Amen. I feel like traveling on. Tell your neighbor, I feel like traveling on. Say it like you mean it. I feel like traveling on. I feel like the best is ahead of me. Amen. I feel like victory is ahead of me. I feel like traveling on. Hallelujah. If I could sing a cappella, I'd try to sing it. I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. And I feel like traveling on. You guys can help me. Well, I feel like traveling. Oh, yes, I feel like traveling on. For my heavenly home is, and I feel like traveling on. Sing it one more time. Well, I feel like traveling. Help me sing, I feel. Oh, for my heavenly home is, and I feel like traveling on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if we had a choir, we could sing, I, f- I got on my traveling shoes. Some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? Those are some good old ones right there. Amen. That's, that's, those are from generations that knew what trouble was like, and they had to have a made-up mind. Amen. Everything wasn't good, but they had a made-up mind. I'm going to serve the Lord. I got my traveling shoes on. That's not talking about all the players in the NBA. I know they all got traveling shoes these days. Amen. It was talking about having a made-up mind. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Amen. I'm, I'm traveling on. Amen. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. So good to have everyone out this morning. Again, I know we have, uh, I didn't know it was going to be this many folks out today. We got a lot of folks traveling today. And uh, certainly... Who knows a myriad of things this time of the year that could come up, the season that we're in. But we want to certainly be in prayer for those. Amen. I know some that are joining us online today. And uh, certainly for all of you that are here today, thank you for coming out to the house of the Lord and worshiping with us. Give yourselves a hand clap right now. How many of you are glad today to come to the house of the Lord? David said, I was glad. Amen. Good to see Duke today. Love you, Duke. Always good to see you, man. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 7. I'm going to put myself out there right now. Is that you, Erica? All right. I'm glad you're here. We love you. 
mask on is a little bit difficult to tell. But if she's here, I didn't want her to think that I didn't recognize her and wasn't glad she's here. Amen? Tell your neighbor, I'm glad you're here. Tell, tell them I'm glad the person on the other side of you is here. The person behind you, the person in front of you. Amen? I'm, we're, I'm just glad all of you are here today. Matthew 2 and 7. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. They had heard the king. They departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And then were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Amen. The Lord bless you. And uh, you could be seated. I want to preach for just uh, last Sunday. I didn't say a few minutes because I knew it wasn't going to be. Probably one of the longer sermons I preached was last Sunday. And all of you are praying this ain't part two today. It will not be. In fact, I am so confident of that, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to preach for a few minutes today. <laughs> a witness has risen up in the house. I want to preach for a few minutes today. Good to see Israel and Francine with us today. All the way. That's not what I'm going to preach today, but it is good to see them today. All the way from Virginia Beach, the esteemed Pastor Chad Douglas. Amen. We love that church and we love this family. Amen. And with that, I want to preach on this thought. The way that wise men worship. The way wise men worship. I'll start with a story that I read about a businessman who had been uh, away and was coming back uh, about a week before Christmas. And he thought it would be nice to return home with a Christmas gift for his wife. And so he went to the mall to do a little shopping. And the clerk came and he asked the the clerk uh, if he could get a little bit of perfume. And so she went and got one of the nicer perfumes and brought back a bottle. And he asked how much it was, and she said it was $100. And the wise, no, no, not the wise man, the cheap man said, that's a little bit much. And so she came back with a smaller bottle for $50. And the salesman grunted, showing his displeasure, and said, that's still a little bit too much for my budget. And so... She went away again and came back with just a tiny little vial and told him that that would cost $15. And Bill, by this time, or rather the, the, the clerk told him it was $15. The salesman got agitated and said, what I mean is I would like to see something really, really cheap. And so she handed him a mirror. I know that some of you are staunch in your Christmas celebrations, right? You don't, you're the ones that don't play Christmas music until after Thanksgiving. And all the decorations have been removed within just a few days of Christmas being over. But like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm being a little facetious, but it's not unlike in our home if you come in late August, early September... It, it wouldn't be weird for little Bing Crosby to be playing in our house. Uh, we we want to get we get the full squeeze out, out of the out of the juice, if you would say it that way. We get 
everything out of Christmas you can get. It's not unheard of for our Christmas tree still to be decorated, the decorations still to be up in mid-January. That's just the way it is in our home. If you don't like it, you got your own home. You can do it your way. All right? Uh, but this year we got a real tree, and we got it the week before Thanksgiving. And we, we, we put the stuff in there, you know, to, the, the, to keep the tree alive. We watered it. We were faithful in watering it. But when I tell you that tree was done, I mean, yesterday morning we got up, and I, I almost had to apologize to that tree for what we were putting it through. I mean, it's, it, it, didn't, it looked more like a weeping willow than a pine tree. It was drooping down. Its branches were straight down. All of the ornaments that used to be suspended were now dragging on the ground. And so we had no choice. As soon as we were done opening gifts and eating breakfast, we went back and, and took all the decorations off the tree and put it out of its misery. And so I, I respect the decisions of those of you that, you know, if you're a no Christmas music until December kind of guy or gal, I respect that. Uh, but, but we, as our family, we know we like to hold on to all the Christmas joy that it brings. And so I know that bleeds over into my preaching. I know that some of you are like, is he really preaching another Christmas sermon today? Isn't there any other book of the Bible this guy knows how to preach from? Um, but I love preaching from the prophecies and the passages that surround the birth of Jesus. Because here's the fact, that as Gentiles, everybody say, I'm a Gentile. Most everybody in this building, at least all that I'm aware of, we are Gentiles. And for Gentiles, the birth of Jesus is where the lights came on for us. Literally, it's where the lights came on for us. If it weren't for the birth of Jesus, we would all still be in the dark. Amen. In Luke chapter 2, verse 30, Simeon, that just man, that godly man was in the temple and there is as Mary and Joseph brought Jesus when her days of purification were completed then they brought Jesus into the temple to dedicate him and give him to the work of the Lord amen the Bible says this is what Simeon that just man said first of all he said that I had a promise from God that I would not see death until I saw the face of Messiah and I'm paraphrasing some of that but here's what he said my eyes have seen the salvation which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people. And here's what he said about this baby Jesus. He said, this face of Jesus is a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Amen. So if it weren't for the birth of Jesus, everybody in this building, we would still be in the dark. We wouldn't even know what salvation was. Amen. We would not have an opportunity for salvation. How many of you have walked into a room and there's no light in the room? Not, not one even glimmer of light. Amen. It's like you, there, there, is, there is a sense of trepidation and fear and caution that you have to walk into that room with because there's no illumination. There's no revelation. You don't know where the wall is. You don't know where the corner of the bed is. Anybody ever walked into the corner of a bed in the middle of the night? trying not to wake anybody up and you end up waking everybody up because you hit that corner and you bless the name of Jesus amen you call upon the name of the Lord amen Jesus thou son of David have mercy on me amen but but when the light is on that room is an entirely you can walk into that room with confidence you can walk into that room with an assurance because there's illumination and revelation I know where things are at and the birth of Jesus brought the lights on for every Gentile in this room today. Amen. Whether you choose salvation or not is up to you, but you can't say you don't see salvation because in the name of Jesus there is salvation. 
If you've ever heard the name of Jesus proclaimed, the lights came on for you. You may not realize it, but when you heard the name of Jesus, darkness had to flee and the lights came on. So if you would just pardon me as I dip one more time in 2021 into the reservoir of the good tidings surrounding the birth of Jesus. And in particular, I want to investigate the worship of these wise men whom the Bible says that they had first seen this star in the east. Really for just a few minutes today, I want to preach on the way that wise men worship. The Bible tells us as these wise men followed the star, eventually they come to this place where the Christ child is in this house that he is in. If we were to look today, if you were to join me in looking, I believe it was uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. If you would look at that verse uh, maybe a little closer than you might normally look at it as you're uh, kind of just reading through it, I want you to look, at, look very closely at even the, the grammar and the, the uh, punctuation that is used. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And particularly there, I want you to look at the punctuation that is used because it's there that they, the, the scribes, as they wrote these passages out, as they translated it over from the Greek that it was originally written in, and they wrote it into English, they felt that it was uh, that, that that colon should go there. And, and here is what a colon does. Uh, on, on this side, it explains here's what happened. On the other side of the colon, it says here's how that is broken down. Uh, all right. In other words, they worshiped, and then on the other side of it, it tells us this is what worship looks like. Amen. They fell down. The Bible says they came to the house. They fell down and they worshiped him. And then there is again that grammatical punctuation of the colon that says that the words that follow this declaration, amen, that the wise men worshiped him are now the detailed description and the explanation for how wise men worship. Amen. Yes, they worship but then on the other side of it, this is the wisdom of how wise men worship. Ask your neighbor, are you wise? Careful how you answer this one. Are, are you wise? Do you have wisdom? Do you have knowledge? Do you have understanding? Are you able to discern? Are you able to ascertain? Are you able to take uh, the evidence that has come in and arrive at a conclusion? If the answer is yes to those, would you wave your right hand right now? If you would say yes to any of those, then you are a wise person. How many of you know how to open a door? All right, I'm going to lump you all in. Everybody's like, I don't know if I'm really wise or not. I'm going to help you all out. All right? Okay, because I, I, I want everybody in the boat that I can get in the boat today, all right? I don't want any of you all standing on the outside. Well, he wasn't preaching. I'm preaching to everybody. Amen. All right, if you can wave your right hand. Wave your right Look, all of you are wise enough. Most of it. I saw a few of you are still like, oh. All right. And so the, the worship of wise men is a two-step process. As proclaimed in Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, the wise men worship. And then on the other side of that is how they worship, a two-step process. Amen. The, the Bible tells us, and, and most of the time what we want to do is we want to skip. Bring Matthew 2 and 11 back up, if you would. We want to skip to the second step, and there's only two. And that's hard for me because I'm a three-step preacher. You all know there's usually three points every Sunday, and I'm only going to get two in today. I'm going to have to figure out another way to make up a third one. 
There's only two steps in, in, in this process or in the, the way that wise men worship, how they worship. There's only two steps, and most often we like to skip to the second of these two steps. And the Bible says the second step is that they presented unto him gifts. Amen. And, and usually we equate worship with what we give and what we do. Amen. Well, did you worship? Sure, I did. I danced my dance. I, I sang my song. I said my prayer. I clapped my hands. I said amen. I lifted my hands. And yes, all of those are acts of worship, but those are the second step in a process of the way that wise men worship. Amen. Tell your neighbor, this is not the way that wise men worship. Yes, they get there, but they don't start there. It's not just about what you do. It's not just about what you say. It's not just about how you move. It's not, amen, yes, I believe that you need to dance. I believe you need to clap your hands. I believe you need to say amen, but it doesn't start there. True worship doesn't start in what you say. It doesn't start in how you move. It doesn't start with how you respond. Amen, yes, we get there, but we don't start there. Yes, giving gifts to Jesus is important, and it is imperative. But wise men understand that there is a step that precedes the gifts that we give to Jesus. And so without any further delay, I just want to introduce you to the first step. The Bible says that they opened their treasures. Amen. Tell your neighbor, they opened their treasures. I'm going to have to go Wednesday night on y'all and, and, and use my Wednesday night lingo. Y'all don't want to help me preach today. If y'all don't help me out a little bit today, all right? I know we got Brother James ain't here today to run his five laps while I'm preaching. I'm sure right now online he just ran around his living room. Amen. And, 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 and so I, maybe I don't have all the help I might normally have on a Sunday, but I believe there's enough help in the house. Amen. That we can get the word of God out today. They opened their treasure. Now, the Greek word for treasures is, the Greek word that was used there for treasures is the word thesauros. I, I know I shared that in Sunday school a few weeks ago, but anybody want to guess at where, what word we get in the English from the word thesauros? Okay, y'all are quick today. See, I told you, raise your right hand. You're wise men today and ladies, wise ladies. All right, it's where we get our word thesaurus from. And literally, the word thesaurus means a receptacle of, for valuables. It is a place where valuable things are stored. Thayer's Greek lexicon defines this particular Greek word, thesauros, as the place in which goods and precious things are collected and laid up. How many of you have a thesauros in your life? A place where you keep valuable things. Anybody have a bank account? If you want to share that with me, amen. Come on up here today, ushers. You can pass around envelopes. And uh, I won't share that with anybody else, me and you. It'll be our little secret. How many of you have a, a place in your home where you keep valuable things? Right? You keep valuable things. The cookie jar is one of those places in my home. We keep valuable things this time of year. We keep valuable things in there. If you haven't had a molasses cookie, man, they're worth their weight in gold and then some. Thesauros, it's a place where valuable things and precious things are collected. It's not just... It's, it's really more than a bank account. It's, it's a place where collections, things that are valuable and important to us, and then we take these valuable things and we place them into this receptacle. Amen. The place where goods and precious things, everybody say precious things. Amen. It's where precious things are collected. And How many of you have things in your life that other people would not, if they got a hold of them, they wouldn't see any value in them at all? 
I mean, if they got a hold of that picture or that little note, that just a scribbling of, of a child's handwriting on it, and they found that they would say it was worthless and had no value, but to you, amen, it means the world to you. And, and that, that, that storage place, that thesaurus is a place where things like that go, things that are precious, things that are valuable are collected and laid up. And I know that when we imagine the nativity, we have this image in our mind of three men with long white beards that come to a point because they're Eastern men. And I guess in our way of thinking, Eastern men have pointy beards. I don't know why. Every picture I've seen of wise men, they have long white beards that come to a point. And they've got their majestic purple robes on and they, they bring these perfectly wrapped gifts to baby Jesus. You know, anybody have anybody in your home that just wraps gifts the best? Those people wrap the wise men gifts. And, and now here they come, three men, each of them carrying their little gifts up to little baby Jesus. And they're giving him these ornate gifts and these boxes that are filled with costly fragrant spices. And maybe it's a satchel that is filled with frankincense or myrrh. But the likelihood is that, first of all, there were many more than three men on this journey. Perhaps hundreds of men that made up this group of wise men. Perhaps a multitude of magi that made their trip from the east and now they had come. And these weren't just little stocking stuffers that they grabbed, you know, running late for the party. Better stop by five and below and get something for the kids. Or, Amen. We need to stop by Dollar General. Hopefully they've got a few things still left on the shelves that we can buy. That's not what the wise men showed up with. These weren't little stocking stuffers that they brought. But the Bible says they, they opened up their treasures unto Jesus. They were opening, everybody just stay with me, we're okay. All right, if y'all would just stay with me, mom, they'll be, the baby's fine, it ain't bothering me, just keep with me, all right? Andre, it ain't no problem, all right, everybody's good. They were opening up their lifelong collection. This was, again, this wasn't something they just threw together, it was a lifelong collection. All right, lifelong collection. When I was a kid, I had baseball cards that I collected. I don't know how many hundreds of, thousands of baseball, I don't know where they went, they're probably worth hundreds of thousands of dollars now. I'm going to get depressed if I linger on that, so let me move on. These were lifelong collections. We know that inside of these coffers and receptacles, yes, we know that inside of them, we know three things that were in there. We know there was gold, and there was frankincense, and there was myrrh, but that's not the only thing that was inside of these treasures. There were other goods and precious things that were inside of these boxes. Likely, there were jewels, there was silver, there was gold. There were other precious metals inside these boxes, other things that others may not have understood their value, but they were were precious to those individual wise men and as they opened up those treasures gifts that had been given to them that had sentimental value letters from loved ones heirlooms that had been handed down trinkets that had been collected with items of personal significance stored within it wasn't just frankincense gold and myrrh inside of these storage of these treasures but when they opened them up there were all kinds of things that were valuable and precious to them one of the biblical lexicons stated that this particular greek word thesauros carried with it the meaning of hoarding have you know what a hoard what it means to hoard make sure i say the whole word together what it means to hoard Right? Hoarding is when you collect stuff and, you, and you've got enough, but you just keep on bringing it. Amen. Hoarding is what I did yesterday at Christmas dinner. I had more than enough, but I said, I think I'm going to get some more. That's hoarding. 
Amen. I think two times a year we, we excuse that. The rest of it, we need to repent for it. Hoarding is, they, they just kept, and so the, 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 the meaning behind this word, the sorrows, the treasure, there, there was hoarding that took place. There were mountains of treasures. There were, there were depths of valuable things that were in some, some that others would see as valuable, others that, that they, they may not understand, but to that individual, the things that inside of the treasure box, they were valuable to them. And so these treasures were filled with items that were varying in their value and worth. Some costly and ornate, others more meaningful yet ordinary. But when they opened up their treasures, what was revealed were not just gifts that were fit for a king. Yes, there was frankincense, gold, and myrrh inside of that treasure, but that's not the only thing that was in there. Amen. But there were other things, a vault that had been collected over a lifetime of making, a collection that had been gathered over time and accumulated from life's experiences. That's literally what that word meant. It was filled with all kinds of things. It wasn't just, everybody with me right now, it wasn't just frankincense, gold, and myrrh, but there was Jasmine's diary from second grade she had inside of her treasure box. Brother Silvati had his yearbook from fifth grade inside there. No, Sister Silvati had Brother Silvati's yearbook from fifth grade in there. That's good blackmail right there. Amen. It was things that were valuable only to them. There were collections. And, and, and yesterday we went up to my parents and my mom has a collection that she's been gathering for years. And she gathered all the grandkids in and, and gave out that, that collection, a piece of that collection to each one of them. And it was a special moment. And those things, if others of you saw those pieces, they may mean nothing to you, but there's a sentimental value that is there. And so when they opened up the boxes, it wasn't just gold and frankincense and myrrh, but there were other things inside of these boxes that were valuable to them. Literally, that word, the sorrows, describes this receptacle of valuables. But figuratively, that word, the sorrows, describes the thoughts and feelings that are stored up in one's heart and mind. So if we use that word thesaurus and we speak of when they opened up their treasures and we talk about your treasures as you sit here in this room today, we're not just talking about bank accounts and savings accounts and 401ks and that special place I read a few weeks ago about, I think it was Joe Osteen's church, the plumber accidentally put a hole in the wall and when he did there was rolls and rolls of cash in the wall. I promise you, you can drill all over my office, you ain't gonna find nothing. Some of you are like, man, we need to go find out what's in, bath- in pastor's bathroom. It ain't going to be that, all right? But, but, but when we speak figuratively, we're not, we're not talking about the gold and, and, and then the material things and the collections, the things that we have stored up. Uh, amen. But, but the matters of our heart, the matters, uh, the things that are deep inside of us that are precious to us, that are valuable to us, the thoughts and the memories that are in our minds. Uh, amen. And, and, and how many of you know in your heart and in your mind, there are some things that are fit for a king? All right, some things that you're thinking right now that, you wouldn't mind God knowing about. And there's some other things that you're like, I hope God can't read minds right now. Let me just kind of give you a cliff notes there. God does read minds. Anyway, everybody just got real depressed. 
these matters of the heart and matters of the mind and, and inside of these treasures. There, amen. There, yes, there's the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. They're the good things and that we bring to God and we want to give to him, but that's not the only thing that's inside of the treasures of our lives. It's not just gold and frankincense and myrrh, but there's other things in there that are valuable to us. How many of you know that your hurts are valuable to you? They're precious to you. You guard them. You don't want people to touch your hurts. Amen. When the pastor starts touching on your hurts too, too closely, you get up bathroom break time. Because I, I I, that, that's precious to me. That's guarded. Amen. And th- those are the things inside of the story, the, the, the treasures of our hearts. Amen. Those areas that, yes, there are things in our lives, in our hearts, in our minds that are fit for a king. Amen. That, that we would love to give to Jesus Christ. But there's other things that we bring with us every day in our lives and into the, even into the house of God. Amen. That, that we would never think of or consider even giving to God. Because, yes, they're valuable to me and they're things that are happening to me but I know they're not fit for a king yes in my heart there is pleasure good things but there is also pain yes there are good times but then there are also bad times yes there is joy but there is also sorrow amen yes within my treasures there is success but there is also failure amen if you look into the treasures of my heart you will find the voices of those who have strengthened me but you will also hear the voices of those who have scorned me If you look into the treasures of my life, you will find hands that lifted me and you will also find hands that tore me down. Amen. Because in the treasures, not everything in the treasures of my life are fit for a king. Not If I were honest tonight not, or this morning, not everything that I collected in this life smells like frankincense and myrrh. Some of it smells bad. It's painful. I don't even like to think about it, but it's precious to me. Not in the same sense that the good things are, but they're in there. I can't get them out. They're a part of who I am. They're a part of what I've gone through. Amen. There are things that have happened that even if I try to let go of them, I find myself guarding them. I don't want you looking into them. I don't want you talking about them because they're in my treasure box. Amen. Not everything that I've gathered in this storehouse is shimmering like gold. Some of it is dull and jaded. And if we aren't careful, we try what I would call the worship vending machine approach. Anybody know what a vending machine is? Y'all ain't going to help me preach today. All right. I'll come to church and I'll, I'll put my quarter in and I'll hit gold. And out will come gold and I'll give it to the king. Amen, I'll put in my quarter and I'll punch frankincense and out will come frankincense and I'll give it to the king. Or or if I want to bring something that is worthy of the king, I'll put my quarter in and I'll punch the button that says myrrh and out will come a gift that is fit for the king and I'll give it to the king. And we try that that is our approach to worship is that we want to be selective and we want to compartmentalize and I'll open up this part of my life and I'll give him this part of me. Amen, but the wise men say, no, I can't just give him the gold and frankincense and myrrh. I've got to open up and give him everything. There is no vending machine approach to worship. You can't just give Jesus your good moments. You can't just give him your pleasure. You've also got to give him your pain. 
We can't just skip to giving him gifts. Yes, I want to, we want to skip to part two. Amen. Somebody get on the keyboard and let's clap our hands and let's dance and sing and let's present gifts unto the king. But wise men say giving gifts doesn't matter if I haven't opened myself up. Gifts don't matter if I'm not being transparent. Gifts don't matter if I'm not giving God everything. This is the way that wise men worship. Wise men really understand that I've got to give him every part of me. I've got to give him my pleasure, and I've got to give him my pain. I've got to give him my joy, but I've also got to give him my sorrow. We try that vending approach. Obviously, for the wise men, it would be gold and frankincense and myrrh, but we try that in the house of God. I'll, I'll put in my quarter, and I'll give him a little hand clap on Sunday morning. I'll put in my Pentecostal token, and I'll hit the button that says amen. And at the right moment when preachers, when pastors screaming and sweating, I'll say amen, and I'll give him my Sunday morning best. But that's not where true worship begins. It's not with what you give him, but it's what you give up for him. I'm willing to open up the treasures. True worship is not about your frankincense and your gold and your myrrh. True worship is about your brokenness and your pain and your suffering and your sorrow and your hurt. I know nobody wants to help me preach now because I'm digging a little bit. This is where we shut down. Pastor, we're good with that. We're Pentecostal. We like step two. We're wise men, and if you get to step two, Pastor, we're with you. Amen, Brother James is running around in his, in his living room right now. We, let's get to two, Pastor. We, we're good at that. No. Step two in the process means nothing if we don't spend some time in step one. Because if we aren't careful, we get things into our treasures that rob us of the ability to open up. Anybody ever been disappointed? Somebody let you down? Anybody be honest? God let you down? Or at least from your perspective? Talked about it. Walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. I thought God was going to do something. He ain't done it yet. Disappointment sets in. What does that do? It Close up. It's time to worship. Well, let me push a button here. Here's some gold. It's not after your gold. How foolish does that sound to think that the king of kings needs your gold? He's not after your gold. He's after more than your gold. But we get disappointed and we come to church. And if we don't, if we don't open up, if we don't open up and expose that disappointment, I'm going to tell you what happens. Some of you think that, that your lack of worship is maturity. It's not maturity. It's that you started skipping step one and you went to step two. Hey, you, you can be 99 years old and still be open and give God praise. Worship is not age limited. Worship is not, hey, there's no age limit to worship. The limit to worship is openness. The limit to worship is transparency. Amen. Yes, God, I've been disappointed, but I'm going to open up and show you my disappointment. I've been let down, but I'm going to open up my treasures.
Life's hurts and pains. Anybody ever been abused? Anybody ever been let down? Hey, man, anybody ever taken advantage of you? Come on. I'm not preaching to one or two of you. I'm preaching to a lot of people here today. And if we aren't careful, we close up around those and we encapsulate those hurts and pains and we show up to church and we hit our button and we let a little myrrh come out and we give God a little myrrh on a Sunday and we think that's worship. That ain't worship. Worship is when you open up your treasures and you say, God, I'm hurting. God, I'm in pain. But, Lord, I need you. I know it's Sunday morning, but I wonder if somebody could open up today like a wise man. I know we can get to step two, and I could get some of you dancing and shouting. But really, when worship matters is when you open up. God, I'm hurting. Come on, somebody. I'm I'm not going to preach long. But the Holy Ghost is here today to deal with the real treasures. The Holy Ghost is here to not after your gold. You think he wants your gold? He don't need your gold. He's after more than that. Bitterness and resentment. You let some bitterness get in your spirit. It'll dry up your worship. It'll, it'll, it'll get you counting the, the gold coins. I'll make sure I don't give God too much. And that, and that goes in every area. It ain't just money. I don't want to give them too much of my time. I don't want to give them too much of my treasure. I don't want to give them too much of my talent. That's what happens when bitterness gets in your spirit. You get offended at somebody and you let that bitterness get in there. You let that offense get into your spirit. Amen. The next thing you know, you find yourself in that Holy Ghost, in that, that, that little machine where you're pushing buttons. Amen. That, 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 what, what did I call it again? What kind of machine? Bending machine. Thank you. You get preaching, you forget words, right? You get into that vending machine approach where you come and give God your little hand clap on Sunday and you think that's true worship. That ain't true worship. True worship is God. I'm bitter and I'm offended and I'm hurt, but I need you to get this out of my spirit. I need you to get this offense out of my spirit. Amen, God. My worship isn't pure. My worship isn't true. My worship isn't real because I've got something that I'm not opening up to. You need to open up your treasures. You got to open up, God. Here it is. Here's the real me. Here's what's really going on inside. I feel like on a Sunday morning we can give God some praise. Come on, don't just push the vending machine button. But I need somebody that will be transparent. These are the matters of my heart. This is what's really going on. These are the matters. How about sin, hidden sin? Hidden sin will shut you down. Oh, you can come to church and clap your hands. Living in sin. You can come to church and say amen louder and better time than anybody else in the church. But that ain't what worship is. Worship isn't just you saying amen at the right time. It's not just you clapping your hands at the right time. Amen. True worship is God. Like David said, I am a sinner. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy on me. Oh, God, I've got a broken spirit and a contrite heart. I'm asking, listen, I'm I'm telling somebody here today, you're in danger of losing your worship if you keep hiding that sin, if you keep keep burying that sin deep within you. Before you know it, you're just going to show up and go through the motions. You're just going to be a step two worshiper. God doesn't want a step two worshiper. He wants a wise worshiper. 
Somebody right now, the Holy Ghost is saying, it's a good opportunity for you to expose that sin to him. It's a good opportunity for you to expose that bitterness to him. It's hard to stay bitter and pray and ask God to help you get rid of bitterness. It's a hard, some of you, that's why you don't pray it, because you know if you did, God would take that bitterness out of your spirit, and you wouldn't know how to live without that offense. Told you I'm not going to preach long. I'm almost done, but I want us to raise our hands all across this building. Because this is the way that wise men worship. Ain't about a Sunday morning clap and dance and a hop and a skip. All of those things are good. But if it doesn't start at step one where you open up your treasures, where you open up the real matters of the heart and the real matters of the mind and the, the real thoughts that are in there, amen, those things that you guard because, amen, how many of you ever been hurt before and, and that's precious to you? You don't want people to know about that hurt. You don't want people to know about that pain. There's shame and guilt that comes with it and so you guard it, amen, but you'll never move to true worship until you open up and you give that thing completely and totally to God, amen. Today, listen, it's not, you don't have to commit to confess your sin to me. This isn't about you open up your treasure for the church to see it. It's about you opening up your treasure for God to see it. Amen. It's about you opening up your treasure and letting the King of Kings come in and letting the light of the world shine in your life. Come on, somebody, this isn't about what we give to him. It's about what we reveal to him. It's not about me giving you another hand. Listen, I don't mean this wrong, but he doesn't need another hand clap from you. He needs you to open up and let him be the Lord of your life. He doesn't need another hallelujah from you. He needs you to open up and let him be the king. Stand with me. Told you, Sister May, was that all right? The Bible says after they had opened to them their treasures. After they had opened up unto him their treasures. Then they presented unto him gifts. You can't really give God the gifts until you've opened... I'm not just preaching today from rhetoric and theory and commentaries. I'm telling you life experience. When I started shutting down and holding on to things and resentment and bitterness, I, I noticed I was, I want, I want to make sure I'm not paying too much tithes. I don't want to put too much offering in there. I want to make sure I don't want to overcount. I don't want to give God more than what's his. I don't make sure I'm, I'm not staying too long at church. I want to make sure. That's what happens when we start closing things in, when we're not open and we don't give God our treasures. We lose what true worship is about. True worship is God. Here it is. It's everything. It's all of me. It's the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's the, it's the pleasure and the pain. It's the success and the failure. It's everything, God. I'm giving everything to you. But you can't really give God your step two gifts until you, step number one, opened up your treasures. He didn't come to get gold, frankincense, and myrrh. JB, he didn't, he, he didn't come today to get your diamonds and rubies that I know you got stored away. I could tell by them shoes you're wearing. You got some money. 
didn't just take gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's not, that's not what Jesus came for. Isaiah saw it hundreds of years before that baby was ever laid in a manger. And he wrote, surely he hath borne our grief. Surely he hath carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was a wasn't just gold and frankincense and myrrh. He took your grief. He took your sorrow. He took your transgressions. He took your iniquity. He took everything that takes away your peace. He said, I don't just want your gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want your pain and misery. I want your guilt and shame. I want the things that keep you awake at night. I want the things that you think nobody else can handle. That's what I want. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us. Oh, Mm, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. I wonder if there was somebody that would walk down to this altar today and say, Lord, I'm here today. Come on, we might get to step two. We We might get there. But step one, that would walk down to this altar and open up your treasures. Open up your treasures. Open up, God, that there's bitterness in my heart. God, there's bitterness in my life. God, there's hidden sin. I don't care what it is. You don't have to tell me. We're not going to put it up on the screen for the church to know. It's not about the church. It's about you and Jesus. Well, I'm afraid, Pastor, if I open up, Everything in here isn't frankincense and gold and myrrh. Well, that's good because that's not what he's after. He's after your grief. He's after your sorrow. He's after your pain. He's after your iniquity. He's after your transgressions. Come on, somebody. But you can't really give him gifts until you open up your treasures. You'll never really worship him until you're willing to be open before him. You'll never give all of yourself to him until you're willing to open yourself unto him. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm gonna wait on you.